Ladies and gentlemen, it's Sunday night here on Vertical Radio, which means it's time to turn off the distractions, pull out a pen and paper, and get ready to learn from some of the best of the best leaders around the world. On this show, you'll hear from CEOs, business owners, entrepreneurs, pastors, pastors, coaches, inventors, athletes, influencers, and many other types of leaders. They all live in different places and come from different backgrounds, but the one thing they all have in common is that they'll invite you to follow them as they follow Jesus. And now, introducing your host. Here's Matt Mizell. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Leader Worth Following. This is Matt Mizell, and every week we come to you with interviews with different leaders throughout the country who can help us understand how to lead in a way that is honoring to Christ. Today I'm interviewing a pastor from Washington, the state of Washington, that is, although it would be fitting right before the election to interview a pastor from Washington, D.C. But no, this pastor is from the state of Washington, and he also happens to be one of my good buddies that I used to do ministry with in California. He's held a variety of roles in vocational ministry, from student ministry, young adults ministry, to being an associate pastor, and I'm really thankful he chose to invest some time with us for this episode. I'm pleased to introduce to you my good friend, Steve Osborne. Yeah, it is good to be here. I, I can call my mom, call the prayer chain. We can cancel all of it. I have arrived. <laughs> that, that is true. I am uh, on air with the Matt Mizell. Well, hey, buddy, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day. I know you got a lot of stuff on your plate and you are a busy guy, but here we get to hang out from multiple states apart, and I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So, uh, Steve... Give us a little bit of a background. Uh, I know you well. We've worked for, together at a church in San Diego for about five years, but not everybody else knows you, and you no longer work at the same church that we used to work at, nor do I. So tell everybody you know, where you're at and what you're doing. Yeah, um, so got the call. I am the teaching pastor at North County Christ the King. Uh, we are like five minutes south of the Canadian border up in Washington, a little town called Linden. It's a church of about uh, 1,600 people. And I share the pulpit uh, with our lead pastor, Kurt, and we're, we're having a blast. I'll, I'll tell you, though, the move from uh, San Diego to essentially Canada, it's a little different, man. It's a little <laughs> different. It's much colder, but no, I'm, I'm having a blast. You're pretty, well. you're pretty much fun. in the opposite spectrum of what I am. I'm in the desert. I left San Diego, which is you know <laughs> paradise, and I'm in the desert. You're in nearly Canada, which to, yeah. to me, I associate with Alaska. Uh, yeah, basically. Probably not quite as cold with his, as much snow. Do you get a lot of snow up there in Washington? <laughs> uh, not where we're at. It, we'll get a little bit, but uh, a handful of inches. It mainly is just rainy. Yeah. That's yeah. it. It just rains, and it's cloudy and gross. Well, man, I'll give you some of our dryness if you give us some of your rain. That could Beautiful. be a, a good yeah, trade. Yeah, we'll swap. Yeah, swap, For sure. swap clouds. Awesome. So uh, tell us a little bit about your journey. Um, I know you're, you're a teaching pastor at North County Christ the King right now. I know you love the Lord. I know you love the gospel. But for people who are listening yeah. right now that are trying to figure out their path and their journey, unpack your journey a little bit as far as what led you to where you're at now. Yeah, I uh, never really wanted to be a pastor. Uh, I grew up in the church, loved church, had a really good experience with it. But my first love was music. And mm. I was a drummer. And man, I prayed multiple times. Uh, just growing up saying, God, I, I want to go on tour. Like the idea of me and a handful of dudes in a tour bus and just playing shows night after night was, it was heaven. It was amazing. And uh, so fast forward, I, you know, growing up, I loved it, but I uh, went into college and I was also interning at the church to kind of help pay tuition. So I figured I would take along with all my, you know, music ministry uh, 
courses, I figured I would take like a youth ministry course just because I was volunteering and working with junior hires. And man, youth ministry 101, I drank the Kool-Aid and I was in. It was as if the Holy Spirit just got inside me. We just did a hard pivot, man. And we just turned right, switched up my major, uh, went into youth ministry and, and never looked back. Um, I, I loved it. I loved it so much. Uh, after I graduated and started working, I went back uh, and got my Master's of Divinity at APU. So whoop, whoop. Um, but I, I, I'm all in, man. God took my passion for music and I thought, you know, I might use it somewhere down the line to help lead worship. Um, but I, I don't do any of that. I speak. <laughs> well, so you, it's funny where like you have your plan and your dream and God kind of goes, no, 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 I wired you and I've given you different gifts, man. Yeah. Uh, you're a decent drummer. You're not great. So we're going to, we're going to course correct and I'm going to put you in this lane. And it's been a blast. I, I've never looked back, man. So unpack that just a little bit. There's probably people right now that are, that are probably trying to think, am I in the right lane? And you just described how you had a passion for music or perhaps still have a passion for music. You would love to drive around in a tour bus. But the reality yeah. is that you feel God took you in a different direction. Uh, did, did you have to grieve the past or your other path in, in not going down that path? Is it something you're totally cool with and going a different direction? Talk a little bit about how how you left one dream behind to pursue another. Uh, it was hard. I um, still to this day. I mean, whether it's it's the church I'm at or watching church services online or visiting a friend's church, um, I'll see you guys drumming, and I get the itch. You know, I want to jump back there and play with the band. Uh, it it was a learning curve for me when it when it came to just worshiping God. Can can I can I worship God from outside of a drum set? Um, can I worship God in a non-leadership role? Because every Sunday morning, I, I'm not on stage. I'm not drumming. Um, I'm sitting in the chairs with the congregation. And to take off the leadership hat for a moment and to take off the musician hat and just uh, just be and just worship God, which I think is our first calling, that was an adjustment. Because most of my life I've been on stage, whether behind a drum set or you know holding a microphone and talking to people, welcoming or preaching or whatever the case, uh, man, the biggest adjustment was just sitting in the seats. Yeah. You know, uh, I used to be a DJ, you know that. And uh, mm -hmm. anytime I go to an event where there's a DJ, I find myself critiquing the DJ, even though I haven't DJed for years now. I'm sure, totally. I'm sure it's pretty similar for you when you go to a church or even at your own church and you see a drummer back there and you're like, ah, I can do it better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I would tell people this, uh, I don't, I don't subscribe to the, the idea that God has called you to one thing. I, I think there are, uh, seasons and I think he's given us multiple gifts, which means we can do multiple things. And I think he's just as excited as, you know, if I were to be behind a drum set or if I were to be teaching, from the scriptures, I, I think he's smiling either way. Right. So I, I always want to encourage younger guys who are trying to figure out like, what's, what's God calling me to? What's my one thing? Uh, there might not be a one thing. What if God is so good and so generous that he said, Hey, I've given you three doors. Go ahead and walk through either of them. Mm. You know, pick one. Yeah. You're going to have a blast. I, I did not know I had a passion for communication and speaking and leading until I had an opportunity to, mm. I just, music was my life. And, and then, I got a taste of something bigger yeah. and I just, I had no idea. So I, I never set out going, this is what I want to do. Um, I, I just kind of fell into it and it turns out I, I loved it. And I, I think I'm halfway decent at it. Well, you are. And I have, I have heard you preach and speak on, on multiple occasions. And I think you're one of the, the better communicators that I've heard. So 
Uh, I I do think that you have a a natural talent there. You brought up something, Steve, that's interesting. You said you never knew you had a passion for communication until you tried it. And I think something that oftentimes holds people back from thriving or or doing something that would be their, their main passion in life is because they're too afraid to fail and they're too afraid to try something new because what happens if I embarrass myself or what happens if I'm not good at this? Yet you never would have found the passion or the calling, like you're saying, for this chapter of your life, had you not given it a shot. So I, I think that's yeah. a, it's a good motivation for people of, hey, you, you think that you might be interested in something? Give it a shot. So let me come back. Uh, you know, the show is called Leader Worth Following. You talked about leadership and, and taking a, a backseat to leadership, but you're also still in a leadership position. So talk about mm-hmm. what, what does leadership mean to you personally? Why do you feel like it's important? Yeah, I, I, Maxwell, I think, has has the best definition for it. leadership is influence. Uh, and I think everyone has influence somewhere. Um, growing up, I thought leaders were, uh, you know, they owned the company, they called the shots, they had the larger than life personality, and they did everything correctly. And as I've gotten older and stumbled into this thing, uh, I've, I've done a couple things the right way. And I've made plenty of mistakes along the way as well. So what I'm realizing is, yeah, leadership is influence and we all have it. Um, leadership is not perfection and it's not the biggest or best vision of what could be or should be. It's simply you exercising your influence. Um, and that's been very freeing to me because God has put me in this seat. So, uh, I can lead the way that I lead. I, I don't have that added pressure of I have to lead like Matt does or, uh, you know, pick whatever, pick your favorite pastor or your, you know, church leader and say, oh, I got to be that guy. No, I, I just need to be me and maximize the influence that I have. And if I'm faithful with that, I'll probably probably get some more influence along the way. Yeah, but it's really been honestly, it's, it's taken a, a lot of time to just work around and go, OK, leadership is, in fact, influence and um, I can influence people for good or I influence them uh in, in bad ways and for me in my seat like i you know i'm in the church i'm i'm preaching i'm if, if leadership is poor uh, the gospel is at stake it's mm. it's salvation it's people uh and i think worse this is kind of my passion is um christians who have prayed a prayer and they believe in jesus but their life hasn't been transformed they haven't changed they're still addicted to the same things they don't experience any of the freedom uh that comes with following christ they they don't know how to love their spouse their their children or their neighbors well uh they just kind of go on autopilot and for me to leverage my influence is to say no 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 jesus can change your life and not just give you salvation Mm. like he wants to help you here today so Yeah. yeah i mean that's a good question well, and, and you're leading into the next segment that I want to get into. We're going to take a break in just a second, but I want to come back after the break and talk about what's the the impact or the, the I guess the, uh, the the detriment when people don't lead well. Uh, what you're saying, Steve, is is exactly right. I believe what you're saying is, is accurate. Leadership is influence. And you mentioned it's either influence for good or influence for bad. And so I want to talk a little bit about what happens when leaders take their influence and use it for negativity or use it for something that's bad. If you don't become a leader worth following, what's at stake? We'll talk about that with Steve Osborne in just a second. Connect with Matt Mizell at leaderworthfollowing.com. Vertical Radio presents Leader Worth Following featuring Matt Mizell. All right, welcome back to Vertical Radio. This is Matt Mizell, and I'm hanging out with Steve Osborne this evening, and we're talking about leadership. And just before the break, we're talking about how leadership is influence. Steve, uh, I want to dive more into this. Um, 
When we use our influence, sometimes hopefully we use our influence for good, but it is possible to use our influence for bad. You talked mm-hmm. about, you, you said something right before the break and you said the gospel is <clears throat> at stake. What do you mean by that? What's at stake for people who are poor leaders? Yeah, there's multiple layers to it, but the first thing that comes to my mind with the gospel being at stake is leaders that use their influence for bad um, usually get some sort of personal gain out of it. So uh, in in church, you talk about the pastor being the shepherd and the people that attend, right? They're the congregation, right? That's kind of the word picture that gets thrown around. Um, And you don't... Your idea, the idea of the church and the shepherd is that, man, the shepherd, the pastor would go and love on the sheep and do what is best for the sheep, not make the sheep serve the shepherd. Mm. And when you do that, when pastors do that, um, we get church hurt. People are offended. They leave. They get turned off, not just to the church, but um, to Jesus as a whole, because they think in their mind, if that's what it looks like to follow Jesus, if that's how Christ uh, followers treat people, I want nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. So because me as a leader, if I'm selfish uh, or I manipulate um, the congregation into doing whatever and I get some personal gain out of it, pe- people can smell that a mile away. Yeah. And then they, they say, OK, like, are you is this you, you know what I mean? Like, is this really about the gospel or is this about you building your kingdom? Yeah. And I think that's a, a really good example of um, using your influence for bad and using it for good is no, no, no. I want to help you become more Christ-like. Because you're going to live a better life, man. You just will across the board. Well, you know, you bring up an area that I think has some gray area to it because I've talked with pastors in the past and even myself, you know, I've written a couple books and I I have had to process, okay, is my book for personal gain or is it for building the kingdom? And really there's a little bit of both, you know, when you sell a book, you you make money off of it, or at least some people do. I don't make a lot of money off my books, but uh, so I've, heard, I've heard about people that make money off of their books. But right. uh, yeah. but anyway, there's the potential for, you know, there's, there's a lot of great pastors. You mentioned John Maxwell earlier, and he's written, I don't know, over 100 books. And he makes good money off of the book sales. Yet right. at the same time, he's also building the kingdom. So he's he's not utilizing the books necessarily for his own building of his own kingdom. It's building the kingdom, Christ's kingdom through that medium. And so uh, would you say, based on what you're talking about, do you feel as though that is in the same category that you're talking about of, of self-promotion or self-kingdom uh, you know, building by, by offering a product or service? Uh, or, or do you feel as though you can use your, your talents, your abilities in a way that's still in the marketplace uh, as opposed to just in, in a nonprofit type of way that is still honoring to what God has called you to do? Yeah, I, I don't have an issue with it. Uh, you and I have talked offline uh, trying to navigate this whole thing. I I just think this. It, everyone has a platform. Everyone has influence. So everyone can be a leader. Um, I don't have an issue with anyone being compensated for their gifting, for their talent, for uh, their personal development. What I want to focus on is, okay, did you use the church to launch your book so that you could buy the bigger house, the best car, this, that, and the other? Or did you use it for good to bless other people? And did you happen to be compensated for that? And then going a step deeper, um, what are you doing with that financial gain? You know what I mean? Are you hoarding that? Are you you being generous with it? And look, I would never prescribe a number or a percentage of what someone has to go and do, uh, you know, with with all their money or anything like that. Um, That's really between, I think, you and the Lord. But you know if you're being generous and you know as a leader if this is for selfish gain or not. And I I think you have to 
you have to check yourself. You got to do some, spend some time in, in prayer and really uh, come in before the Lord saying, all right, search me. Yeah. Am I trying to bless or am I trying to take advantage of? And I think the shepherd's job is to guide the sheep, not to take advantage of them. Yeah, I remember. Uh, in fact, Steve, you might have been there. I went to Saddleback a couple of years ago and, and talked to Rick Warren. Were you in that conference that we went to? I wasn't. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that, I know. That must have been just before you got there. But anyway, I went up. Best to, one ever, right? Yeah, best, yeah, yeah, best exactly. one ever. So sorry you missed it. <laughs> but I, I remember I went up to Saddleback and had a conversation with many other pastors with with Rick Warren. And for those of you who don't know Rick Warren, he he's the author of a book called The Purpose Driven Life. He's also the lead pastor, the senior pastor of Saddleback Church in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he talked about in the conference that I went to when I when I had the chance to meet him, he's, he said, you know, his book, Purpose Driven Life, is one of the best-selling books of all time. And in fact, it's it's made, I don't know the, the actual number, but I recall him saying something in the category of tens of millions of dollars. And so yeah. what he talked about in that conference that I went to is that he now does a reverse tithe. Now, if you don't know yeah. what a reverse tithe is, you know, a, a tithe is actually, it literally means 10th. And so most people that give a, a, a tithe for their income to a church or to the, the, the kingdom in some way, they give a 10th of their income. A reverse tithe is given, instead of giving 10%, giving 90% and living off the 10. Uh, and so he gives away 90%. But I, I remember leaving that conference and thinking, well, shoot, you know, just, just for the sake of numbers, if you were to have $10 million and give away nine out of the $10 million, you still got a million bucks to live off of. That's, right. that's <laughs> right. not too shabby. Um, I, I'd like to give it a shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, why not? Um, so, so Steve, you know, one of the things that I feel like um, when, when I talk about, when I, when I think of poor leaders, I oftentimes think of people that are saying one thing and doing another thing. And, you know, it's one thing Mm -hmm. to stand up on a stage and preach with a microphone and say, hey, here's what the gospel says and here's what you should be doing with your life, but then not actually living it out yourself. Have you ever uh, either experienced that from poor leadership of uh, basically uh, somebody that is not following their own walk? You know, they're they're talking the talk, but not walking the walk. Have you ever seen that in other leadership or maybe even more vulnerable? um, Have you ever done that yourself? Have you ever done something that conflicts with your values and conflicts with what you know you should be doing where you're like, shoot, (laughs) I was just a bad example. I was just a bad leader in how I, how, how I conducted myself. Uh, Oh, every time I preach, man, (laughs) every time it's not a cop out answer. I mean, you know, you can be preaching on forgiveness and I I could be, you know, like the week leading up to, to Sunday, I'm preaching on forgiveness um, I'm holding grudges against my spouse. Mm-hmm. I'm frustrated at something my kids did or, I don't know, a conversation with a coworker, right? And I'm like, I'm harboring that resentment. I'm not, I'm not forgiving. I'm not quit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the, the inconsistency, like, oh, that's my life, man. That's one of the burdens that I think pastors carry that most people don't really think through is every single Sunday that we open up the scriptures and we start teaching it it is man we're preaching to ourselves as well like this sunday i don't know when this is going to air but uh this sunday i'm speaking on generosity and you know how many opportunities i've had to be generous in small things or in in big ways uh and i've just passed up on them mm. yeah <laughs> there's an inconsistency across the board now here's what i think bridges that gap is authenticity when you're a leader and you're leading out of your insecurity or leading out of something that you are not or you don't possess, you're being inauthentic, and people can see that, uh, they're, they're going to find out. 
they're going to find out that you don't forgive people, that you don't love people the way that Jesus does. They're going to find out that you're selfish and greedy and not generous. Like the congregation is going to find out. Your coworkers are going to find out. But when, when I'm authentic and I step up there on Sunday and say, look, this is difficult and God is still working on me. That opens up. People relax and they go, well, yeah, me too. Yeah. I've had times where I'm selfish and that's okay. Jesus still loves it. You know what I mean? Like he's not mad. We're, we're okay. And our church isn't mad at you if you've been selfish. You know, like it, it just, it helps everybody relax and it gets us all on the same page. And like I said, it bridges that gap where we can be human with one another. And even though I am inconsistent and I don't live up to the standards of scripture, um, I, I still have something to say. Yeah. And I can still lead. Uh, I just haven't arrived yet. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah, you know, it, it reminds me of what Paul says. He, he wants to boast about his failures and his weaknesses because it shows the, the strength of Christ working through him. Uh, you know, I think sometimes there's a tendency for leaders to have the appearance and the facade that they're perfect and that there's yeah. no mistakes that they ever make. But, but I love what you said, Steve, about authenticity because when there's authenticity, it makes you more relatable when you can share look, I screwed up in this area and I'm deficient in this area and mm-hmm. I haven't figured it all out, but I'm not your standard. The gospel is the standard. Jesus is the standard. So follow yeah. me as I follow Christ, but don't make me the, the, the idol because I'm not the one, I'm, I'm not Christ, you know? Um, and yeah. I, th- I think that's freeing and look, for leaders. Th- Go ahead. Yeah, you don't have to be perfect. God's not calling you to be perfect. Uh, he's calling you to be you. Like he created you and he put you in that seat. So while you're in that seat, use your influence. Use what you have because you're, you're going to lead other people. You're going to bless them. You're going to help them. But, uh, man, don't lead out of something that or someone that you are not. Yeah. Like I said, they're going to find out, and that's going to do a lot of damage to people. It's going to skew their perception of who Christ is and how the church functions and what the church is all about. You know where I see people screwing this up most often is not even necessarily in a, a position like yours, a teaching pastor or a lead pastor. Where mm-hmm. where I see people screwing this up oftentimes is is parents. Parents <laughs> never, well not not never, but many parents don't admit their failures to their kids because they want their to have this facade that everything they're they're perfect, they're the adult, they, they don't make mistakes. But one of the most humbling things to lead your kids, the one of the most humbling and Christ like things you can do is to admit error and ask forgiveness from, right. from your own child who just witnessed you do something ungodly. I mean, man, mm-hmm. it's not it's not showing weakness. It's not showing humility, but it's also training your child in the way that they should go because you're doing what you want them to do. So if you make right. a mistake, take ownership, take responsibility, ask forgiveness from your kid so they see what they should be doing when they screw up. They, they take ownership. They take responsibility responsibility, and they ask for yeah. forgiveness just in the same way that you've led. I think that's one of the things that I have, have observed is that sometimes leaders feel as though they have to be perfect. But being a good leader means leading in good and in bad situations and, and demonstrating here's what you do when you mess up. Here's what you do when you screw up. I'm going to lead you by example by humbling myself. Yeah. We, we all have blind spots as leaders, and the people we lead can see them <laughs> sometimes yeah. in 2020 vision. And, and they know when we're, we're pretending, right? right? when we don't know, when we're just making something up or we're spitballing or whatever the case. Uh, they know. 
And yeah. so for me to lead out of my failures and be authentic, man, it, it brings everybody to the table when I just say, hey, uh, I'm not great at this. And everyone goes, oh, thank God. I'm glad he knows. You know, <laughs> and then we can we can all circle up and we can have a conversation and I can still lead and, you know, at the end of the day, be responsible for the decision. But what, I, what I've done in saying, hey, this is not my sweet spot. This is not an area of giftedness for me. I need your help. Um, I've just led in vulnerability. I've led in how to participate as a team. And I've reinforced that um, I am, in fact, a real human. And my team can look at me and go, yeah, like, yeah, we can talk to Steve. Or Steve's not great at that. But what it also does is when I lead through my failures and my weaknesses, it also leverages when I am strong in an area, it reinforces that. You know, yeah. Steve's not he's not a detailed guy, but man, he's got a vision and we can trust and lean into the vision. But on the day to day details, ah, we know that's not a sweet spot and that's OK. Well, I, I hear what you're saying, Steve, but I was also I've also seen your desk and I've seen your meticulousness. So I don't know if I would agree <laughs> with your self-perception of uh, you not being a detailed guy, but whatever. That's not the point of this conversation. Uh, so we got to take another break in just a minute. But before we go to the break, I want to I want to get your perspective on this. First Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and sober minded because our enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And what you're talking about, Steve, is authenticity. Yet you and I both know that the enemy does not not want you to succeed or be God honoring. So how do you protect yourself? Because if you're going to be authentic, if you're going to be real and transparent with people, how do you protect yourself so you don't go down a path that is an ungodly path? Because if you're going to be real, that also means that you're going to be transparent about failures and things that, that you shouldn't have done. So how do you protect yourself against the attacks from the enemy? That's good. I'll give you a quick answer and then we'll cut to a break. Every leader needs to be led by another leader. Mm. All right. Well, <laughs> that's the tease for the break. We'll take a quick break. I don't know. And uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna ask Steve when we get back from the break. What does that mean? Hang with us. We'll be right back on Leader Worth Following. Learn more from Matt Mizell at leaderworthfollowing.com. You're listening to Leader Worth Following with Matt Mizell right here on Vertical Radio. Welcome back to Leader Worth Following. This is Matt Mizell. Today we're hanging out with Steve Osborne. And right before the break, Steve dropped some knowledge on us. He dropped the mic, so to speak, and he said, every leader needs a leader. Steve, unpack that. What do you mean every leader needs a leader and why? Yeah, who's who's coaching you? Who's making you better? Who, I think more importantly, is calling you out? Mm -hmm. um, do you have anyone in your life that has permission and has authority to say, hey, I... I I think you're pretending to be someone that you're not. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you're whatever the case is. But how, how do you protect yourself from not going down the wrong road, from, you know, destroying your organization, your church, your family? Uh, you just need people that are speaking into your life. But you have to pick the right people and you have to pick people that you respect and you have to pick people that are further down the road than you are because they can see things that you can't. And so you have to give other people permission to call you out and say, hey, um, I, I know it's a quote unquote busy season because it's Christmas time or Easter or whatever. Um, but you're called to be a dad and a husband first before your occupation as a pastor. Mm -hmm. So you need to go have a date night with your wife or you need to go and take the family on a, some sort of adventure or something on Saturday. Um, that that's your priority. That's your first calling, you know, um, and then we'll talk about your job. 
yeah. as a communicator, a pastor, a leader, whatever the case is. But you, you need someone in your life that can do that. And sometimes there, there are seasons where you have one or two people in your life that do that. Um, other times you, your life changes and you're in a new season. Like we left San Diego and we moved up here to Washington um, today in the spirit of authenticity. I, I don't have one of those guys yet. Mm. The keyword is yet. I'm yeah. searching. I'm going to find one because we all need them. We all need to be led by somebody because left to our own devices, um, we're going to screw this whole thing up and we're going we're gonna to damage people along the way. Yeah. But I love what you're saying, Steve, about the first ministry being your, your family. And I think, again, that's one of the pitfalls that I see many leaders fall into and that, you know, we see on the headlines that leaders, uh, you know, oftentimes when they're successful, quote unquote, successful, and they get more and more influence, they forget the, the, the leadership that they have at home. And sometimes there's temptations that comes along with a bigger platform and yep. uh, they, they violate trust and they, they shatter their trust with their family or, or perhaps they're so busy working and so busy building a platform and more leadership opportunities that their kids are at home thinking, but what about us? How come, how come you don't lead us? How come, like you said, Steve, how come we don't have a Saturday? Like, I don't, how come we don't have adventures? How come we, we get the yeah. leftovers and everybody else gets yep. the pristine part, but we get what's left. Um, and, and first and foremost, I, you know, I, I talk frequently to, to my congregation about our priorities should be number one, God, number two, family, number three, everything else. And I think sometimes yeah. people in their career will take number three and put it up in the number one spot and say, this trumps everything else. My pursuit of leadership or a platform or the, the larger audience trumps everything else. And when that becomes the God of your life, you're in violation of the first, first commandment. First commandment, don't have any other gods, you know, have no other, nothing above me. And sometimes something that's good can trump God. And then all of a sudden you find yourself and your your life out of whack because you don't have, perhaps like you said, the accountability to call you out on your, on your stuff. Um, Let me put it to you this way. I don't ever want to come home and have my wife or my kids wonder if Pastor Steve is at home or if dad is mm -hmm. at home. Mm -hmm. I, I never want to to be in that situation. And I found at least the way that I am wired and how I work, I need someone in my life that is asking those questions of, Hey man, like you left the office, but you brought work home with you. Yeah. You need to be dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your kids are at school or, or wherever they are. You haven't seen them for the majority of the day. And when you get home and you have dinner out at the table, like you, you need to be dad. You don't need to be the CEO. Yeah. You don't need to be pastor. You just, you need to be dad. Um, and it's, I just, it's vital. You have to have people in your life that will ask you those questions. Yeah. Well, so Steve, you didn't ask me the question, but again, in the spirit of authenticity, as you said, a few moments ago, just yesterday, you know, there, there was a kind of a significant event that took place in our church. And so there's just a lot of moving parts with it. And so I came mm-hmm. home and I was sending text messages back and forth and responding to voicemails. And when I was home, I was laying on the couch and my kids are coming up and snuggling in my, my lap. And I'm sending text message and then trying to respond to my daughter and then send another text message and respond to my son. And I could tell I was frustrating them and they they were not getting dad. And so, yeah. you know, as you're saying that, Steve, I instantly felt convicted of I was guilty just yesterday. What you just said, I wasn't yeah. home. like I, I should not even walk in the door if I can't put that phone down and not be fully engaged 100 percent with my kids who need their dad, but not Pastor Matt. Right. Um, so, so, you're but totally I, right. I would say this, but that, but that's okay if it's, if it's periodic because, you know, life happens and things get crazy and we never have, you know, a balanced life. Um, you just don't want that to be the norm. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? But your kids are going to look at you and they're going to see how you how you handled that busy season or uh, whatever, that important meeting that, that came up that truly was important and you had to be there. Uh, they get it. They understand. Yeah. But when that is their childhood, uh, that's that's a totally different conversation. Right. This is why I, I would say that. Go ahead. I was going to say this is why I I struggle with people. Not not me judging them or anything, but I, but I have a, a just a heart for people. Like for example, people in the military that have to be gone for months or years at a time away from their family. I'm like, man, the sacrifice of your family at home for you serving the country. I mean, that what a noble thing that you're doing. Yet at the same time, that's such a such a significant thing that yeah. uh, that you don't have that time that that I have at home. You know, time with my spouse, time with my kids. I mean, that's. That's such an investment to the country. I think sometimes people don't realize what what a gift that is to us as as people that are the recipients of freedom and the recipients yeah. of of those who are protecting our nation. What's really at stake? It's not just a matter of they're they're potentially putting their lives in danger. They're they're putting their marriage in danger and their kids relationships mm-hmm. with their kids in danger for the sake of freedom and fighting for the country. So for people who have jobs or roles like that. Man, my heart goes out to him because for me, I would have have a really difficult time um, being away for such a long period of time from my my first and main ministry of my family um, because I I don't want my job even as a pastor it's a noble career I don't want my job to trump my family I want them to know that yeah. they they have a dad my wife has a husband that I'm I'm present with them so for people that don't have the ability that have to do that via FaceTime or via Skype. Man, I mean, yeah. we, one more reason why we should be praying for our government and be praying for our military because of what they're sacrificing on the home level. Yeah, and and I would just say this too. This is where this is why Jesus is so necessary in our life um, because he's going to fill in the gaps. Well, I, my kids don't need a perfect dad; they need a real dad because my kids are not going to be perfect. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so they need they need a perfect God that can fill in those gaps. So when dad's not there, they can lean into Jesus, right? And as they get older, as they mature in their faith, Jesus will show them how to navigate life um, and pick the right things in areas where dad could not. You know what I mean? But that yeah. that sets the stage for, or, or the table, if you will, for a real conversation of what it means to be human, what it means to choose right over wrong, what it means to be dependent upon God and to actually trust him with our day-to-day lives. Um, not just the big, massive things, but the, you know, the, <laughs> the Monday through Friday, you know, all that stuff, the normal things we experience throughout the week. Um, I just, I don't know. I keep coming back to this idea of authenticity. My, my kids, my wife needs me to be real. The congregation doesn't need a perfect pastor who can wax eloquently and talk about the scriptures. They need to see someone who's a work in progress and not perfect. And when they look at me and they see that I can struggle through these things, but I'm getting better, that gives them hope. Yeah. And the hope is that's going to be that engine that spurs them on to action. That's one of the things that why I believe you're a great communicator, Steve, is that having heard you speak on many occasions, oftentimes that authenticity is not just baked into a conversation like this, but it's baked into your sermons. And and I love that people get to hear that from you. Uh, Let me go back. You said something a few moments ago. You said, you know, you you. You asked the question rhetorically, who's calling you out? And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think as we have a mentor, uh, it's important for us to have mentees as, as we're following somebody else and, and being sharpened and as iron sharpens iron, being challenged by other people, also paying that forward and doing it for other people as well. 
Um, so th- this is this is kind of you touched on what I how I define dis- a, a real disciple, a true disciple. I don't think mm-hmm. a disciple is somebody that just follows Jesus. A, dis- a true disciple, by definition, is somebody who follows Jesus, but also invites others to follow them while they follow Jesus. So every leader is also a follower. Uh, as you're following after right. a mentor who's following Jesus, you're also inviting other people to follow after you as you're doing the same thing. So there's people that are in front of you as well as people in behind you. And that's that's the sweet spot as far as what leadership looks like. So so that being said, I know that there's people that have poured in and invested in you. Steve, who are some of the leaders that have uh, have poured into you, whether through a direct mentorship in the past or through books? Or, you know, <laughs> who are guys that that you uh, you know, you follow after you, or you follow on podcasts or read their books, you know, who are leaders that inspire you? So I, I got to go all the way back to high school. It was my youth pastor, Andrew Garland. And he taught me that I was enough, that I didn't have to be somebody else, that I could be me and that God was pleased and that I had the necessary gifting, skill, potential, whatever word you want to insert in there. Um, to get the job done, whatever job that God has entrusted me with, whatever influence um, he's given me. And it goes back to a, a four years where I just needed someone to say that I, I was enough and maybe that I was more than enough, that I was good, that I had what it, what it took. That seed, I think I was fortunate because that seed was planted in me very, very early on in high school and it just marked me. Um, I could worship the God that I could worship God the way I connected with God. Um, I could tell jokes that I thought were funny. You know, they're all appropriate for church and all that stuff. But like I, my humor was good. The way I saw life w- was good. The way that I interacted with people w- was good. I didn't have to be somebody that I wasn't. So from that baseline of understanding who I was, what my identity is in Christ, from there I started watching other leaders and pulling some of their resources and saying, you know, is this me or is this just really good? And, but it doesn't fit. Does that shoe fit me or, or does it not? Um, so the two guys that I probably have influenced me the most outside of Andrew, my, my youth pastor would be my uncle, Larry Osborne. Um, he's, he's just wise. He's just the smart, one of the smartest guys I know, um, understands people, understands God and communicates the gospel in a very clear manner and then i would say andy stanley just for uh just his communication skills i I think he's a wizard i mean he's probably too smart for his own good but uh he's a great communicator and again he can simplify truth and just make it very palatable for people so uh he's impacted my communication a lot um and my uncle probably on just my approach to ministry and my approach to people yeah and you and I have that in common, Steve, you know, asking that question, I, I didn't actually know who you were going to talk about, but but both Andy Stanley and Larry Osborne are, are both people that I also admire. In fact, when when we did work together, one of the mm-hmm. things that I appreciate in, in my exit from San Diego is that you, Steve, set up a meeting with myself and your uncle, Larry, and yeah. you, and we sat down, I don't know, for two hours or something like that out in the cafe in, in our North Coast Vista and sat down and your uncle let me pick his brain before I became a lead pastor. Uh, you know, what about this, Larry? What about this? And what about this? Yeah. And he, he was able to invest time 
in uh, an up and coming young chap like me. And so I appreciate you even setting that up with him and me being able to. Oh, man, I was taking mental notes, too, man. Don't think that was only beneficial for you. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I had a transition coming up, too. So I'm taking notes. Oh, okay, I should do this. Make sure I don't do that. Okay, cool. Yeah, and many of those things from that conversation were actually implemented when I came over to the church that I'm at now. And I remember going, leaving that conversation, sitting down in the parking lot and just writing out all the notes and just kind of, you know, pulling up my phone and writing down this and this, everything I could remember from that conversation. Yeah. Uh, and so and perhaps, who knows, you know, there might be people right now that are listening to the radio that are pulled over on the side of the road, writing all the notes they can from from you, Steve. And so, yeah. uh, you know, that's what's what's cool is that when you pour into somebody else, uh, and you get to, to take the things that you've learned and you've acquired over the years from a multitude of mentors and advisors and pastors and leaders, be able to share that with other people so they, they can better their lives. Uh, that's just exciting to know that your legacy continues on as people pour into you, you pour into other people. Uh, that's right. So thank you to Andrew Garland for, uh, for pouring, in, pouring into you and <laughs> he's the man that seed. Yeah. Uh, maybe, he's the man. maybe tag him on this and send him this interview because I, I know that's also something that is encouraging. Anytime you find out that you've planted a seed or as a leader, you've helped somebody and then you find out years, perhaps decades later that that meant a lot. Uh, how cool is that? You know, for me, yeah. my, my Andrew Garland was a guy named Adam Wynn and he poured into me and he invested in me. And I, I guarantee we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now had it not been for Adam. So Adam, shout out to cool? you too. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. I, I would just say this too, for any, any leaders that are, are listening, man, give your younger guys and girls an opportunity. Yeah. Just every once in a while, try try and platform them. Let them try something out um, because you do not know the impact that it will have, not just for your organization or wherever you're leading, but uh, throughout the kingdom as well. Yeah. Awesome, buddy. Well, I'm going to ask you a question here in just a second. I'm going to let you stew on it for a second. My, my question is, if there was one thought that you were going to leave people with, one golden nugget, what would it be? So I'm going to let you chew on that. But in the meantime, hmm. I'm going to rapid fire you with a bunch of questions because... <laughs> Uh, because, you know, Steve, you're a human and I know that I, I, you know, having worked with you, I've, I've hugged you, I've shake, shook your hand you know, I know that, but some people listening right now are like, like, man, someday I want to be a teaching pastor. Someday I want to be where Steve's at, but you're just another person, just like every other person, just like Larry Osborne and Andy Stanley, you're just like any other person. So, so with that, I want to humanize you a little bit by asking you some questions. So rapid fire, (laughs) first thing that comes to the top of your, your mind that's the, the correct answer. So start it off with Let's this. Let's do it. What's your favorite food? Go. Mexican. Oh, dude. See, burritos. See, you're burritos. living in the wrong place. I've got Mexican galore. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to banter <laughs> in between each one. Favorite dessert? Ice cream. What's your favorite movie? Braveheart. Freedom. <laughs> if, if you could star in any movie, what character would you play? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, pro- probably the guide, I, I like the the Obi Wan Kenobi or Gandalf. I, I wouldn't want to be like the hero, the main character. You you have uh, what, what's the Donald Miller uh, story brand? You, the story brand. You've gone through story brand, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> now people are gonna be like, wait, what's story brand? Go check it out. He has yeah, a free. Go check Donald, it out. Donald it, Miller has a free podcast. I'll tell you all about it. Uh, okay. All right, one book that has influenced you greatly. Uh, winning with people, John Maxwell. Boom. One thing that you do to blow off steam. Mountain bike. Nice. One, uh, what's the best gift somebody has ever given you? Ooh. Uh, oh man. I, I don't know. I want to say time. Is that weird? Yeah. 
Sure. That's not, kind of a, that's not a great answer. That's fine. I don't know what my Avail- best gift availability would be to like the best gift. A bike when I was younger. I, I don't know. <laughs> that's fine. Shout out to mom and dad. I love Yay. you guys. Thanks for the bike. Yay! Thanks, Osborns. All right, favorite vacation <laughs> destination. Hawaii. Oh, speaking my love language. Okay, this one. This one's uh, might be tough. If you had to wear a T-shirt with one word printed on it for a year, what would the one one word on your shirt be? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, especially like as we're all masked up for COVID, just a shirt that's a high. I don't make someone smile. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Uh, okay. I'm curious what other people have said. I got to go back and listen and see what know. other people are saying. I don't know. Uh, I'm a little embarrassed by that, but whatever. Well, I, I don't know. You know, with the radio format, people can't respond and comment, so I'm not sure what they would say either, but. Uh, that's awesome. I totally did not expect They're that. They're probably going, this guy's an idiot. What is he doing on the air? <laughs> All right. Three more questions. If you could rid the world from any one thing, what would you rid the world of? Uh, poverty. All right. What song best describes your life? Ooh, all I can think of is like really inappropriate songs right now. <laughs> uh, pass, because I want to keep my job. <laughs> I, I just took a sip of water and I almost spit it out on the microphone. With that one. Uh, all right, last one. What's one thing that, that somebody might be surprised to learn about you? Um, oh, that's such a deep question. I know. Uh, okay, it has to be the first thought. Those are the rules. Yep. Uh, that I'm insecure when it comes to, to teaching and leading. Yet, yet the irony is that you're good at both teaching and leading. And <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird? Someone told me that your your superpower is also your kryptonite. Yeah. And I, I found that to be uh, somewhat true in my life. Yeah. But I think possibly because, you know, we want to give God our best. And I think that, you know, there's insecurities that I have too. Of, I, I want to give God my best. I don't want to let God down. I don't want to let my people down. Yeah. And so, you know, you want to be prepared. But one of the things that has resonated with me, a- Abraham Lincoln once said, if I have six hours to cut down a cherry tree, four hours of that will be to sharpen my axe. And I think with pre- hmm. proper preparation, uh, you know, we, we, we can give God our best and we can give the people whom we're loving our best. And so hopefully that can, if, if there's other people listening right now that are also dealing with insecurities, truth be told, Steve, everybody has insecurities. So that, totally. that's not just you. That's everybody. Everybody wants people to like them. Everybody wants to do a good job. Nobody wants to be embarrassed because they did something poorly. So, um, so we, we can have insecurities in common, Steve. It's all good. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> all right. Sure. Well, last closing thought. If people were to walk away with one thing, one golden nugget regarding leadership, what would Steve Osborne tell them? I, I would say you have what it takes and to step into who God has created you to be and to lead the way God has created you to lead. Um, other people as examples, um, keep it as, as such, just they're examples and they've got really, really good techniques or good lessons or principles or whatever the case. Um, but for this time, God has you in that seat to lead your organization, to lead your family, um, your church or whatever it is. And you have what it takes and be you. Don't try to be somebody else because if God wanted someone else in that seat, he'd put them in that seat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. You try to be somebody else and you're, you're dishonoring to God because God made you with your strengths, your passions, your talents, the way that he wants you. So rather than try to be somebody else or emulate somebody else or 
or even be dissatisfied that you're not like somebody else. I, I, I agree with you, Steve. I think that's almost a, an insult to God when we try to be someone else instead of being just who God's made you to be. I think that's wisdom. And, and those of you in the, the top seat, you're the CEO, the owner, whatever you are, um, encourage your, your younger leaders to be the best them, not mm. micro versions of you. Mm. Just because you do it one way um, doesn't mean that it can't be done another way. Right. So encourage your people, allow them, give them the gift to be who they really are, who God has designed them to be and prepare them and equip them to thrive in whatever spot they're in. That's good. Awesome. Well, Steve, I appreciate it. If people want to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, probably on Instagram be the easiest way. I think I camp out there. Uh, it's just Steve Osborne. So you can find me there and uh, yeah, come say hi. Osborne with no you. No you. Yep. O-S-B-O-R-N-E. There you go. Steve Osborne. Buddy, thank you so much. Normally when we wrap up the show, and you know, I have never had somebody pray before to wrap up, but Steve, would you mind praying for the people that are that you're speaking to right now that are really re- resonating with you of, of saying, man, I want to be who God's made me and designed me to be. Will you close us out by praying for them? Yeah, let's do it. Lord, we come before you and we thank you for the opportunity to lead in whatever sphere that looks like. God, for the insecure leader, for the leader that feels like they are not enough, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just remind them that you do not make mistakes and you have picked them and they are equipped to lead. None of us are perfect and we're not going to execute flawlessly on any of the tasks that we have, but that's okay. That's where you step in and fill in the gap. So remind us that we are to do our job, but remind us that we can rest in your goodness and that you'll fill in the gaps. And Lord, would you surround us by people that will encourage us and not just motivate us and say we're doing a good job, but people that will encourage us by speaking truth into our life, um, even though that may be difficult to hear from time to time. But Father, for everyone that's leading, it is a noble task. I pray the Lord that we wouldn't be perfect, but that we would just be truly ourselves and that that would be enough and you would take charge and fill in the gaps from there. We love you, Lord. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Steve Osborne, thank you for joining us. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Love you, man. Love you too. Good talking with you. Let's do it again. All right, we will. This has been Steve Osborne on Leader Worth Following. And uh, as you wrap up, if you're listening on the radio right now, Go back to leaderworthfollowing.com and you can hear all the in-between commentary from Steve and I. There's some <laughs> some funny stuff that we had to some cut off gyms. the radio. So yeah, go back and listen to the in-between stuff and, and uh, hopefully that will bless you as well. Connect with Matt Mizell at leaderworthfollowing.com. Thank you again, Steve, for being a guest on tonight's show. Appreciate it, buddy. I love what you're doing. Love your family. Give your best to your wife and kids for me. Thanks for listening to Leader Worth Following. Here's a sneak peek at next week's show. Next week on Leader Worth Following, we have an author named Ron Price, who's the author of a book called Play Nice in Your Sandbox. It's all about how to get along well with other people, but this translates not just into staffs or leadership, but also your family, how you interact with your kids, your wife, your relatives. What a better message to get prepared for Thanksgiving than how to play well with other people. Join us next week for that episode. In the meantime, remember, don't just be a leader, be a leader worth following. Leader Worth Following, produced by Sean Kelly and Devin Neely. Special thanks to this week's guest. For more information, visit leaderworthfollowing.com.